This is episode 234 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have Jessica Narula on the show. And Jessica was somebody who actually I met through ProFunds. So she joined the mortgage brokerage working under my mother-in-law, Carmen. And uh, she was just inspired. She heard Carmen on the podcast podcast and wouldn't you know it ended up working for her uh, having her as a mentor and has gone on to do quite a bit of acquisition in the Cornwall area she's talked about actually scaling down her portfolio now and redeploying some of those assets in potentially Mexico so she's analyzing deals down there one of the big focuses of this episode was on mindset and goal setting so you've probably heard people talk about finding your why and getting really serious about what it is that drives you. And this is one of those things that I feel like a lot of people go on the surface with. They'll they'll think about, you know, I want more time or, uh, you know, I want to have uh, my dream home because, you know, that's just the thing that you do. Um, that's very surface level. But if you can dig in deeper and you can dig in deep enough, you can find that emotional response where it it actually forces you to jump out of bed in the morning. You're so excited that you're going to get to move towards that why. And uh, I think that's something that we could all focus on a little bit more and remind ourselves a little bit more, even if we've done the exercise of finding your why or the seven stages of why, uh, to go back and revisit that and get clear on that and refine that, I think is a really important exercise exercise and uh, one of the takeaways from this episode. So um, I want to remind you that if you're new to the podcast or if you're new to real estate investing, it's not a bad idea to go back to the first 10 episodes where we really dug into the fundamentals. Also, if you want to dig into current deals that Jake, my brother-in-law and I analyze on a weekly basis, I highly recommend you check out our sister channel, REI Hot Seat on YouTube where we'll do regular breakdowns of on and off market deals that are currently available and talk about how we would make them work because it's an interesting market out there and uh, it takes an interesting approach to make some of these uh, these deals work. So uh, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into episode 234 with Jessica Narula. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Jessica Narula here with me. She came to one of the meetups and now she's <laughs> on the podcast. So that's how it goes. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for asking. Um... Yeah, but we I've I've used to work for ProFund, so Carmen. Yeah. So we've kind of like We've got the mutual connection. Yeah, that was a few years ago, right? Yeah. As uh, lockdowns were starting, you started uh, doing mortgages under under ProFund, so yeah. that was sort of the initial connection. Yeah, I actually heard Carmen on the podcast and yeah. I reached out to Carmen on Instagram. I was like cuz I I don't see a lot of women like doing what she does in general. Yeah. Like she's a powerhouse. So She is. I was like I just wanted to say like Thank you. And it was like great learning from her because she was talking about her crazy building. She did like a full burr on. Mm -hmm. um, so I just met her and she's like, thank you so much. You should come join the team. And I, like, it was just the most mm. easy transition. And I was there for two years. I only yeah. transitioned into a different one this year, early this yeah. year. So it was, it's been it was great working with her for sure. Yeah. Carmen's uh, very inspiring. She's done. She's done so much. And uh she uh it's hard to like even fathom <laughs> <laughs> i don't yeah. know how she does i wish i tried to come in more 
Because mm-hmm. I think you gave that tip, like you were just around. Yeah, that energy that's how you to, learn a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. I find with Carmen, it's like, it's not like she's going to explain to you how she does it. You kind of have to just through osmosis absorb it. Yeah. Because uh, she's got, for anyone who doesn't know Carmen, she's been on the podcast many times. I recommend listening to every episode, Carmen Absolutely. Campanero. Uh, she's my mother-in-law. And it originally inspired me to pull the trigger on real estate because I uh, started dating her daughter before I had ever invested in anything. Right. And uh, that was the genesis of it. So uh, yeah, she. but it's hard to imagine having so many different things on the go. But I, I start to understand it better as I build my team. Like yeah. if you have really good people, you can kind of entrust certain things to them and then you have oversight. And I think that's what, exactly. what Carmen's mastered is she has a great team, a huge team. I mean, if you look yeah. at that whole office, there's probably what, 100 employees between yeah. everything? And there's so many different, like, yeah. you know, there's the mortgage section, there's the REIT section, there's so much. Yeah, they got their, their equity funds, their yeah. REIT, their, their mortgages, their construction and development yeah. team and different floors of the building. Uh, uh, we're in one of the buildings. Uh, so the building next door, we have office space we rent next door. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yes, now we've explained the connection. Yes. Uh, so everything kind of, it's a tight knit community, their Very real estate so. community. And I love the community around this podcast. It's great, you know, people come out to the meetups and, uh, you know, every month, by the way, guys, so just make sure you're coming out. Um, Facebook group. There's a Facebook group. Make sure you're RSVP. Uh, but anyway, so Jessica, give me the rundown of what you do in real estate uh, as an investor. Um, so I started um, about two years ago. I bought my first property in 2020 and COVID hit. So yeah. that was like I hadn't closed on the property. I had finalized it and then COVID hit and everything was like the first year, everything was kind of going insane because no one had idea, no idea what to do. Yeah. So I was like, I'm in this firm deal and I don't know what to do. So anyways, it worked out. I was working with a very investor focused realtor. I mean, the deal didn't pan out the way I expected. So mm-hmm. we ended up flipping that within like an eight month period. It was in St. Catharines. Was it profitable? It was profitable. Oh, that's good. But like flip was profitable. Yeah. If keeping it, we were like, we're good. That's it gets tough. Yeah. But you were in the early part of of that uh, craziness where it was still possible to uh, well, because values were going up, right? Insane, they were going up yeah. insanely, yeah. Um, which everyone was kind of like, when are they going to stop going up? Yeah. Uh, and no, <laughs> honestly, it was like the last two years were like insane. But the interesting thing was this property was a corner lot and it was great from the pictures and stuff but who we had bought it for had flipped it themselves so their renovation work was um so you bought a flip to then flip i i didn't mean to flip i actually meant, meant to buy to, it like, as a rental you're just gonna rent a turnkey yeah but what like the way they did the renovations to fix the renovations it would have mm. been like double the amount so we're like we just waited for the mm-hmm. hopes and prayers of the market, which it helped and just, yeah. and it was rented. And my first tenant was, I learned a lot of lessons. I think you've mentioned it. I've learned a lot of lessons in the last two years I've been doing real estate. Um, every lesson, a real, ter- a, not every lesson maybe, but those, you know, those tough uh, decisions you probably had to make mm-hmm. with tenants and things like that, pretty much done all of them. Yeah. So I had like a crackhead tenant that the person I bought it from, the property management ca- uh, put them in. First time learned my lesson, mm-hmm. property management, do not trust. Uh, you yeah. gotta manage the manager. You do, that's the asset management job. Yes, yeah. yeah. So learned that lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we had to literally clean out like needles out of the garage me and my brother did that so it was uh, it was insane yeah. but then after that uh we sold that one then we uh, I had a business partner I actually met through meetups. Uh, we did about four flips together in the last two years. Um, we bought a lot of wholesale from like Bliss and different, all, all of them were profitable. We were doing like 100%. So we had the private lending aspect, which I definitely learned from Carmen just working yeah. around that, even like meetups and stuff. And then we had another investor who used to give money, us, money to us on promissory notes. Yeah. So we did that 100%. And then eventually, like for the headaches, it just stopped making sense. Like we used to always make profit but it was like we accumulated enough and then mm -hmm. we both kind of on good terms like parted ways and we started yeah. buying rentals so, so i started how long were you doing the flips for for about two years and was it uh, like how many were you doing at a time no we were just doing one at a time one but at there time. were like six months so, so you got four done in the two years yeah okay yeah nice. and then um i bought my first rental in cornwall it was a duplex for like mm -hmm. 220 um nice. yeah and it was uh, it was a that one was like my angel property like just that made helped me like uh realize the potential cornwall has mm -hmm. um then i bought a fiveplex there then two more townhouses in the last year and a half okay um and then i just bought end of last year i bought a property in brampton so Man, that's that's quite the jump but i that's know probably closer to where you live right and also i uh we just got a good off-market deal it was when the market was really shitty and dropping okay so it was just one of those things you'll never see that price point again. It was a bit of a speculation game for sure compared to the cash flow game. But I bought that as like, my parents are there. Mm -hmm. It was like like a secondary kind of retirement thing for them. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm trying to get my parents to like quit their nine to fives and yeah. like kind of get involved here. Really? So my dad um, like loves taking care of the little renovation, the management. He actually like even for Cornwall helped me out and like, so he'll do some renos? Like, he'll at least, like, keep the contractors in check because he knows what he's looking for. Nice. Right? So he has so, a background in that? Yeah, so he works at, so my mom works at Home Depot and my dad works at Home Hardware. <laughs> so my mom is a kitchen designer. <laughs> That's um, hilarious. I know. And then but she was a kitchen designer back in India. So I came okay. when I was 14. All right. Yeah, so I wasn't born here. So uh, no one in my family is doing real estate so i kind of like had to like it was just one of those swimming yeah. through and figuring out what to do kind of next so the meetups and um like being surrounded by the people really helped yeah i was gonna say like you obviously learned a lot of strategies you have a pr pretty full toolkit yeah. and where like how did that all come together for you so it was um you know those mansion meetups i don't know if you remember them no, like mansion. all the way like it was like london and i used to drive to like london oh and like windsor. matt mckeever stuff yeah oh okay yeah so i used to drive to like windsor and london all the way to just go to these meetups and learn yeah um actually i should backtrack so i actually started as a paralegal so the whole dream of going to university i went to university yeah. for four four years then i was i want to go to law school but i was like i don't know if i'm a sitting at a desk kind of person so i went into a paralegal program instead i was about Isn't a year that also sitting at a desk so i wanted to i wanted to test it out yeah. so my that was my test that day was your test. Okay. yeah so i was like before i spend a shit ton of money i wanted to check out if like that mm -hmm. field is for me 
Um, it wasn't. <laughs> Sitting on a desk wasn't a thing. But what it did was I kept getting thrown into offices that always required real estate legal assistance or real estate paralegals. Mm -hmm. So I always ended up in that position, essentially. So that was my introduction because I used to see all these numbers go through my desk and like, I was like, I'm really doing something wrong. And like, yeah, that was that was my start to that. I've heard that from accountants too. like they you just they see the commonality like, yeah. oh, what what's the number one thing you see in common? And it's like, oh, well, they're all they're all uh, real estate investors for like the most millionaires. Right. Exactly. It, it was a it was a big thing, but there was a long time in Ontario where things were trending in a certain way. Yeah. And then more recently with with this. Well, I mean, let's face it, they're, they're trying to break the economy to some degree so Absolutely. they can bring down inflation, right? Yeah. Like, that's why they keep jacking interest rates, because it's like, oh, we didn't do enough damage yet. We'll do a couple more jacks. <laughs> yep. um, so eventually there's going to come a point where something starts to break and yep. it'll be a matter of how hard does it break. Um, does that mean real estate values tank? It's so hard to say with the competing forces, yeah. right? So but it does make it harder for people to make the numbers work, because when you're working with mm -hmm. these values and these interest rates. Yeah. It's a I difficult agree. puzzle to put together. I agree with that. And honestly, I realize, so with this whole, I think, okay, this whole door thing, I think I, when I was starting out, people were always talking, always talking about the number of doors they own and it became yeah. about the doors. I had to like this year, I didn't buy anything. So everything I bought was end of last yeah. year. This year, I was just like, let me reset. Let me reset as to like, why am I chasing these doors? Like, what is that bringing me? Mm -hmm. So I... And you're right about the what the Canadian economy and like what the government is doing, what they mm. did even during COVID. Mm. Um, they I created this problem, right? They they truly did. And as much as it sucks, they really have to suck it out and like stick out this whole in, like inflation thing. They can't drop the rates too soon for mm. it to actually work. Well, like, they have to address. Like I look at it as kind of. Like, yes, that's the, the traditional approach is you, you jack interest rates until the economy kind of breaks a bit and then yeah. things normalize. Essentially, interest rates are the sponge. Yeah. You've got this these excess dollars floating around yeah. for available spending cash. And what they're trying to do is suck it all up. And the reason you have the excess dollars is because they shut everything down, <laughs> all production yeah. and kept giving people money. So yeah. they created the problem and hurt people's buying power. And then their reaction to hurt stealing your buying power by printing money is now they're going to suck up the extra money that you have. Yep. People should be quite displeased with what they've done. I, uh, <laughs> I, I agree. And honestly, like even yeah. just my parents' mortgage on renewal, it went yeah. for on the B side of lending. It went from like three, because at one point, even the B lenders are giving like you 3% three three yeah. rates to now like six and a half, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a big jump. And it I is. saw my parents like feel the, burn of it and um i'm thankful that you know we are able to sustain that but i don't know how many people yeah. are able to um there's going to be some pain i think i, I think that eventually they'll they'll work out something on the amortizations when all those renewals come up i know they've said they won't yeah uh but i think that when push comes to shove there's a good chance they will yeah. but there will also be a large portion that, that start listing their yeah. houses 100 percent. and yeah. but like you like you said there's so many conflicting yeah. scenarios too because in a yeah. true recession the employment will be a lot lower than yeah. what it is right now well they haven't fully created the recession yet exactly well like they're working, like they're working on it <laughs> <laughs> you're right but then i want to also randomly but i want to also see the p the ai piece how that comes in with the whole employment situation like okay. how that plays a role aip in it. like no just ai like artificial intelligence and oh, the okay. use of it yeah, and yeah. what that brings in terms of like what kind of um 
jobs will be created and taken yeah. away at the same time. Um, and like, obviously, we talk about immigration all the time. The first two, three years, most immigrants rent, but then they, if they look yeah. at buying and things like that, that's a. But the renting creates demand too, right? That's that's for a, investors. Though. It's it house is a house. If house somebody needs 100%. a place to live, uh, and it pushes up whether it's it's you know they're going to own it directly or they're going to cause somebody else to go out and build it. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to have to be there. Yeah, but the thing is, then if they're coming mostly in Toronto. You have to have that investor still has to have enough money to put in the to put in and buy something for someone else to rent, right? Yeah. But the way the Canadian government is not the most investor friendly with all the restrictions no. they keep putting in. Um, so it's well, just specifically Ontario is pretty rough. Actually, Ontario, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Like so, that's why it's just so conflicting. Because yes, you all these immigrants will need rental units that needs investors. But if you're not creating an environment where investors want to invest, because a lot yeah. of like, yes, there's immigration coming, but there's a small fraction of Canadians that are also, especially Ontarians, are also leaving the country. There are. Uh, and I think, yeah, there's lots that see the writing on the wall that this is not an investor friendly place, mm -hmm. specifically Ontario, but also Canada to some degree. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just if they really wanted to fix this, this mm -hmm. inflation problem without breaking the economy, they'd focus on what can we do to stimulate yeah. supply, uh, streamline approvals, cut the red tape, cut the taxes on yeah. development. Like, let's make it cheap and attractive to build here. Let's mm -hmm. make it cheap and attractive or uh, profitable to be a trade here. Let's make it less onerous. Uh, let's put more responsibility on the individual trades to yeah. ensure themselves, to, to implement their own health and safety policies. There's so much red tape and having worked in contracting, yeah. like if you read what you're supposed to do from a health and safety standpoint, and I put my best effort forward to constantly improve, that's my angle. I'm constantly improving. Yeah. But if you try and start at their gold standard, you never even start. 100%. Yeah. And, and I think like what I, after I bought all of this, what I've realized though this year, um, I am not taking the onus to change everything. Yeah, you can't. You have and to focus on your situation. And that's what I did. And what you can do is you can decide where you'll invest, how you'll adjust yes. your investing strategy. And you being a paralegal, I mean, you must have a very unique uh, angle on the mm -hmm. laws, yeah. what you can do. You've probably seen some stuff, which has helped you see how you might han handle the situation. Yeah. And like for me, it's about pivoting. I actually... Um, I heard like uh, one of my mentors say selling is not uh, not losing and like I'm actually looking at selling my portfolio most of it in Canada um, and pivoting completely. Mm -hmm. So for me and everything is going to still be profitable. Um, the cash flowing ones, I'll leave the one in Brampton, but the other Cornwall ones actually I'm looking to liquidate just because um, I like to have a certain amount of control. Mm -hmm. I know there's not going to be a way where you're going to have control over everything. There's just not possible. But government policies is something I feel like it's just too much for me to even like comprehend. Because, for instance, when I started, the landlord and tenant rules were strict, but Ford wasn't saying to not pay rent and like mm -hmm. put that <laughs> narrative out. Right. In the last few years, um, like I have a tenant right now in my fiveplex and he I had that market property for sale and everyone knew about that. I found out he was like threatening people walking through and then stop paying rent. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I can't take him out for like eight to nine months. So you had a non-payer for eight months? No, uh, well, since January now about four months. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. First month he paid and then I guess three months now. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, most tenants are good. Like I have 10, 11 tenants out of that. Like mm -hmm. most of them are great. For me, it's just like 
these scenarios are not like I want a better return on my headache is what it is. And I, you're coming to that conclusion pretty quick. Yeah. Which a lot of people, and I'm not encouraging to just always take this approach because no. a lot of people make a lot of wealth by just by continuing to keep your head down. Uh, but as I watched the market change and make less sense, I started seeing, well, these are some pretty big headaches that I could yeah. be getting myself into and I want them to be scalable yeah. if I'm going to take the headache. That's yeah. what it is. Like, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, nothing's going to be perfect. I'm still going to be as an investor in real estate or um, as a, even a mortgage agent, I have headaches on my own mm. with the clients, right? But I choose them. I choose yeah. those headaches. Um, I can have certain amount of control on those headaches. I can, you know, choose certain clients, not choose yeah. certain clients. So for me, yeah, like that, that's what I meant in the last two years. I feel like I've learned a yeah. lot of quick lessons. But you moved fast. Like you, you acquired, we have 12 units, you said? Yeah, 12. 12 units since 2020. And you started and you just moved really quick. Yeah. During and then, all that craziness. And you've been profitable the whole way through, market corrected. You're still okay. You're not underwater on any projects. No. It's like that's that's a great track record. <laughs> well, I have great, like I the Cornwall one I bought with uh, a JV partner. Okay. Um, so it's important also another pitch on the JV part is important to have that they're actually not on their last dollar oh, like yeah. they need to be comfortable not, yeah repel the ones that are on their last dollar because they're the ones that'll blow up your phone every day 100%. for an update for how things are going yeah work with the one that you know they they do a lot of different stuff they don't have a lot of time but they got a lot of money exactly and they want somebody that they they feel confident that we'll, we'll do a good job. And honestly everything on paper looked good right like I mean I predicted the interest rates to go up Everyone, for the most part, if you were kind of seeing what's going on, kind of figured they would. But I didn't know the escalation would be that quick. Yeah, because there wasn't precedent for it no. to go that quick. Yeah. But uh, I just didn't think that they had the uh, yeah. kahunas yeah. To, <laughs> to break people that way. Because yeah. it, because I knew what the fallout would be if they did. And I just thought, I think they're just going to become accustomed to the inflation. We'll just, we'll just have to accept it. 100%. Because eventually that inflation plays out if they stop spending. Eventually yeah. the effect will just play out. It will. Yeah, uh, 100%. But if they keep spending and doing stupid deficits and all that, then it won't play out. It'll keep going. It will. And yeah. I, uh, that's why I'm like, I, I don't, I truly, honestly, as much as I tried to comprehend what the Canadian government was doing in the last few mm -hmm. years, I just... Well, that, that'll give you a headache. Yeah, Try, trying to make sense of like, are they following a logical, uh, you know, thought process? No, they are not. No, and I'm yeah. not saying that the rest of the world's government is perfect in any way. Yeah. I just feel like there's certain things that just make more sense. Yeah. Like outside. I think I think that there's a lot of insanity south of the border too. I agree, but they're a lot further behind in the progress of insanity. I think yes. Canada's made some huge strides forward, and yeah. as much as like my family's here and I love it here, and and we're doing everything that we can to like, continue to call this home. Yeah. we also want to have a, a very good contingency plan. Hundred yeah. percent, and that's why like I'm with a brokerage right now, um, my mortgage brokerage. They actually. Um, similar mindset. They have like a global vision, but they also have a f um, a brick and mortar like brokerage in Florida. Oh, really? So they help Canadians okay. um, fund deals in like twelve states. They're licensed down there, cool. and they have like a full concierge service. So from lawyers to title insurance to whatever you will need. So can you arrange Florida deals from here? Yeah. 
Really? Oh, so you just have like a partner that works down there that has a license down there? So essentially, exactly. But the yeah. thing is, it's the same company. So yeah. the CEOs are the same. And then they yeah. brought on people who are locally licensed yeah. into the company. So Spark Financial, there's Spark Financial Ontario yeah. here. And then there's Spark, uh, Spark Florida. So you can get your, uh, you could get your um, visa to go down there as a... I don't know about that because I still work like on oh, commission okay. basis. Yeah, because you're not an employee. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I could really dig into that if I really There's wanted probably an to. probably angle. Angle, yeah. yeah. But what I can do is send in the referral sources without losing clients yeah, and on the yeah. Canadian side, right? So I'm actually also studying for my real estate license here. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a, a reason for that, for sure. So why get your real estate license? Okay. So... Um, I realized really quickly, I love the mortgage side for sure, but there are certain things in Ontario that still make sense for investors. They just are, in my perspective, not on the long-term residency side, like tenancy side of things, or if you're buying mm -hmm. long-term rentals. And Airbnb stuff, they still have a lot of bylaws, so maybe not. Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to dig into the commercial side of things here um, and see if there's any opportunities for investors when it comes to different commercial, not multifamily, uh, like residential still. You're talking about mixed use? Yeah, mixed or no residential whatsoever. None, like oh, nowhere. so industrial, commercial. Yes. Okay. So wherever the landlord tenant board law doesn't apply, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, like that's the criteria. I've taken that angle with hospitality stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah I, it's definitely a way to get around uh, around some of that stuff. If I was like, if I want to like still invest here, I want to find a way. And um, I find the commercial uh, aspect is very like even more tight knit in Ontario. Like there's only few people who have access and connections to uh, the deals that make sense or most of the off market anyways goes like, you mm -hmm. know, it's not listed a lot of times uh, when it comes yeah. to like land or commercial and things like that. So I wanted to get my license and get aligned with the right like community on that side of things. So after I had my license, I'm pretty like even as a mortgage um, agent, when I got licensed, I was very focused on niched on investors. Mo I've probably mm -hmm. done one first time home buyer deal in my entire thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but now too, like once I get my real estate license, um, I know I'm going to niche down on the commercial side Just and kind of dig into that. We should talk to Jake. He's uh, he's Mr. Commercial. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I also so. I dance as well. Like uh, I've been dancing since I was a kid. I still do hip hop. So um, I have a whole community of artists that I always am around and work with. And they're so used to living paycheck to paycheck. So part of me getting my real estate license is also finding opportunities where I know they're not going to buy commercial properties, but I'm just like, what can I find mm -hmm. that is maybe I can create a fund for or something that they can kind of put in their money and find like teach them basic ways to start investing and not they don't have to create it like a business like i have mm -hmm. but find ways for them to like start investing into uh different things and getting you know more financially literate in in certain ways mm -hmm. um just because like in COVID too i saw them like struggle so much like they had no gigs they weren't teaching or anything like that right they so really hurting. living with their parents obviously or even when they were yeah. renting, they were just working these um, side jobs, side and stuff. jobs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the the hard thing with the uh, the people trying to make it in music or arts or whatever. And 
you know, we had aspirations, you know, on an original band. <laughs> I wanted to, but it was just like it became impractical. People have kids. You get paid almost nothing to yeah. play out live. And, uh, you know, you're not even covering your expenses. Exactly. So, so yeah, I, you know, most people just let it go and, and, and move on. I, you know what? And I, that's right. But I want to find a way where they don't have to maybe let it go. Well, I, I've always thought, you know, you supplement, do, you know, you do that professional gig and then you have your, your music or yeah. your arts on the side. And, yeah. and hopefully one day you can monetize the music arts. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, I feel like as humans, we're all we're multidimensional beings. We're not one thing. We just physically can be one thing. Like you can't be just Andrew Hines, the real estate investor. You're a husband. You're a father. You're you're a musician, mm -hmm. even if you don't play anymore or you sing anymore, um, mm -hmm. right? So for me, I still do. Just you know, exactly not, not usually in front of people. Maybe my son. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean. Like you still have other sides to you and I feel like in society we're expected to especially on social media expected to portray one thing and I don't think that's authentic to anyone to be honest so I was kind of like put I used to let like never post about my dance or anything mm -hmm. else because I used to feel like if someone thought I was going to a dance class for three to four hours in a week I was not good at real estate like just that mm -hmm. logic like you know okay. kicked yeah. in uh, but I was like, that makes no sense, like in general. But so that's why I'm just like, the point is, I wanted to create, even now I've started to do that with my social media, create like an authentic version of me, not for anyone else, but just for me, instead of like sure. always hiding behind like one image. Well, you shouldn't. And I may be guilty of doing too much, just like, <laughs> just like too much, just who, exactly who I am. Uh, maybe I say things I shouldn't sometimes, but uh yeah, I just try and be be exactly yeah. myself. And and on social, like speak your mind, say your piece, do do what you want to do, say what you want to say. Because yes, you'll repel some, yeah. but you'll attract those who resonate. Hundred percent. And it's, there's no point in trying to be what you think people want you to be. Hundred. I mean, it's exhausting. be polite, be you know, be yeah. courteous and 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 all that. But but be yourself. Yeah, because yeah. it's uh, being someone else is really exhausting. It is because yeah. like really truly honestly no one else can be you like in all everyone else can be a real mm. everyone can be a real estate investor everyone mm. can be something but there's can only be one jessica as me and there's gonna be mm. one andrew right it's, there's just no other way um mm. and i think like um with anyways if i post more about my dances because i'm also trying to get my creative like my artists more yeah into this kind of like intrigued at least about the piece so you're trying to attract the artists to come work with you for real estate that's quite the business plan you got there. i yeah. not even work with me i just yeah. want them to like there is like that side where obviously if they come not even work with me like start investing or just get like start learning a bit about it because like i don't want them to in true honesty when i got into real estate is when i started dancing more because i wasn't like stuck in that loophole of a nine to five and stressed about money i also wasn't um, mm -hmm. waiting on gigs for money, right? I was truly doing what I love, mm -hmm. but also my supplementation was money was something taken care of as mm -hmm. well, where I could still like monitor my time. So- How were you able to do all that? Well, dances like usually dance, like classes are in the evening. My mentors oh, used to okay. teach in the evening yeah. and working my day. And then, yeah. you know, I can still Balance do what I out. need to do. Um, plus like I'm making my own schedule. If I have like, for the most part, I'm not working in a nine to five, right? And then, as an entrepreneur, you definitely work more than you should, but like, yeah. or more than the nine to five, I guess. Yep. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there aren't structured hours. It's tough to be an entrepreneur in that regard. And you got to you got to build a team uh, no matter what you're doing. If yeah. things bother you, you procrastinate, you got to you got to hire those things or build systems around them. I learned that too. Do you yeah. have an assistant in your mortgage business? I do. Well, uh, right now with the Spark, yeah. I have a full underwriting team. So they just work with you. You go out, do the lead gen. And, yeah, exactly. Okay. That's why I wanted, like, that's how I wanted it right now. Yeah. That's what works best for yeah, me. Yeah, like I, doing that business, I got I got a little burned out because it's, <laughs> it's if you get just get into the weeds of that, like eventually you won't enjoy it. Uh, dealing with the people I always love. So I just did it wrong. I had some personal growth to do, uh, as we all do. Uh, and uh, I started learning some lessons and it really took my son to, to just cause me to just fire myself from everything. Yeah, and, uh, that'll do that. Yeah, so yeah, he... He uh, he came around at just the right time to make me do that. So um, uh, glad I did. Honestly, it helps though. Like, mm. it may, I'm sure your son probably got you to take a step back and be like, okay, priorities, right? Well, there was just no time. Like, there was no way I could have kept doing the podcast, yeah. um, having the level of involvement I did yeah. uh, without uh, my full time video, video editor. Because mm -hmm. um, I had an editor, but I was still involved in the process. Right. Okay. And. Um, and then my assistant mm. who and then now I have an ops manager in my construction company like those people just like bought my life back. Yeah, that makes a yeah. big difference. And that's why like I joined Spark too, like because yeah. of the underwriting team. Because you got to have quality of life as an entrepreneur. You can very quickly go from because we don't learn how to be entrepreneurs in school. Yep. Uh, you can very quickly go from, uh, you know, you a structured nine to five or I've had you know better employment situations and worse, uh, but you go from a structured situation to an unstructured situation where you can work all day and all night if you want. Yeah. You can not sleep, you can sleep, you not make money, you can procrastinate and not make money. No one's gonna come in and tell you, hey, you should be doing this right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's up to you to be very clear on what it is you're trying to do, why you're doing that, 100%. and then hold yourself accountable, and that is not easy. No, and that's why like this year, in the beginning of the year, I took, I did this thing called a life book. So what a life book is, it has yeah. 12 categories of your life. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, did you buy the program or you just got the template? <laughs> no, I actually bought the program. So yeah. I have, I'm a little obsessed with the whole mindset piece. That's um, huge. Yeah. And I joined Mind Valley. Um, I'm done like so many co courses and quests on it. I've gone on retreats and like all of that. So I did the life book. I actually very consistently did that every week. You have mm -hmm. to spend a few hours on it on each category. Because I was like, like you said, yes, this growth is great. On picture, mm -hmm. it sounds great. Yeah, I did number of doors, all of this, right? Mm -hmm. I was stressed out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, because I did it on my own. I didn't have help. Like, I wasn't yeah. like, I wasn't, it just happened so quickly that I didn't get a chance to like, take it in and like, put in systems and things like yeah. that, right? So I feel like most when I started, everyone used to talk about this, just go do the deal. Like it was a very aggressive, um, not yeah, very, like that was the tone when I started. Like just go out there, get started. Yeah, yes. and there's there's, there's value two. in I that, agree. but you create problems doing that. You yeah. learn from those problems. Yes. But I think mindset's so important in so many ways. Like there's very tangible ways mindset's important. And then there's the intangible ways yeah. where it's like law of attraction. Yeah. You, is it is it that you're attracting it or is it that you're aware of yeah. the opportunities when they come? Like if you're constantly thinking opportunity, opportunity or growth, growth and your mind's thinking about that, all of a sudden your subconscious mind just starts looking for ways to get you to what you said you wanted to do. 100%, 100%. And then maybe that's, that's gonna be an entirely different strategy to getting there than you thought. 
but you're open to it. And I'm and honestly, that was the whole part because there's a part of surrender to it as well, where you just kind of like take a second and you allow. Like because I feel like we're part of such a hustle culture. Like we're mm. always chasing the next shiny object. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not us, but like in general, that's society where society in general society. does not spend a lot of time to pause and reflect. No. And we saw that very big time with the lockdowns. As soon as that started, I, I had a wake up call that people yeah. don't pause and reflect. No, no, hundred percent. And like there's this, uh, there's like these Japanese concepts. Like there's a Kensho and Satori. So what it is, it's like moments that help you learn. So Kensho is like those tough times. Uh, Satori is like things that. There are experiences that you haven't, but you learn from without like going through the hardship. Okay. Yeah. Right. So most people feel like they they feel like they had to like go through these hardships continuously to like learn, which mm. is to a certain extent you automatically That's kind of been my life to this point. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like, but you know what though, like life will throw curveballs at you regardless if you want it or not. Mm. Right. Like a couple of weeks ago, I don't. I got into an accident randomly and you know what though it was what i was like if you look at the condition of my car you'd be like what the heck but something was protecting me and i feel like those moments will happen whether you attracted or not attracted in any mm -hmm. ways possible right but what i realized the best you can do is find a state that you're happy in because think about it right most investors even get into real estate because they think it's going to get them to um, financial freedom happiness at the end right it's not necessarily they want to hold a piece of land or property for the sake of owning it right there's always an intention behind you'd like it. to you'd like to believe that but i ask <laughs> i've been doing these coaching intake calls and i'm like what's the goal yeah. and uh well, we want to get into some multifamily. I'm like, really? That's the yeah. end goal? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. There's an end goal and there's a means goal. Yeah, people... that's, that's the means to get to the end goal. Exactly. But people don't realize yeah. the, the difference. I think it's just the default because, yeah. let's face it, I teach a technical podcast here. We talk technical. <laughs> yeah, my bad. And we don't spend enough time talking about the mindset yeah. because the mindset is what opens your brain up to be able to accept the information and the strategies that will get you to where you want to go. Yeah. And I understand that because at the beginning, I was like that too, right? Where I was like, people, some people were talking about the mindset piece and like, you know, your relationship with money and like things we've been brought up and taught about money and how that affects certain things. And I was like, okay, this is whatever. Just teach me how to do it. Like, you know, mm. I was in that rush. Yeah, I've been that guy too. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that's a natural state of being like you said, but when you start off, mm -hmm. but I really quickly realized too, because of, the ex like the growth I had or whatever I did in the last two years mm -hmm. it was just like that wasn't why I do this though mm -hmm. like I had to figure out my why very intentionally well people do things for two main reasons right to get out of pain or into pleasure yeah yeah <laughs> and to convince yourself to to do a painful process to it requires that you see the pleasurable end to it you exactly. know the desired outcome yeah end. and for me i wasn't seeing that like i was just like i felt like i was in the loop right for me especially like and also for me it was also like is how much of the pain is worth the pleasure like what exactly. kind of pain well is. tony robbins teaches about yeah. this he has some exercises on this i'm sure you went through yeah. some exercises yeah. on this so so talk to me about that process um what notice what changes have you noticed in yourself give me a little bit of a recap on it yeah like honestly real estate outside of the doors and all of that has been like um 
almost like a wake up call to like just really hone in on myself, like learn about myself and like my intentions behind why I do certain things, my um, how I approach certain things, how I communicate certain things. It really helped me with being um, more intentional and articulate with why I'm doing it and what I'm doing. So like I said, the life book, you're putting so much intentionality behind Every category of life, right? Not just like the business and the finance. Yeah. You're it's doing like your it, personal relationships. Yeah, and, your personal yeah. relationships. Your relationship with money is just one of them, right? Like yeah, well, relationship with money is just like there's like finance. There's careers. Yeah. There's parenting. Yeah. There is family. There's romantic relationships. Yeah. There's quality of life, and then there's so life. You're kind of looking at your life holistically, which is super wise. Yeah, because yeah. okay, like we've seen that a lot of successful people, if whatever we call success. We've seen they've had amazing wealth, right? Like money-wise. Then they see broken relationships. Then they see different yeah, things. Yeah, because they're not paying attention to all areas. I, I, and that's what that's... I feel yeah. like for me, as much as this wealth success is important, I feel my relationships are important too. And I'm now actually... I, I did this lone wolf thing for a bit and it was it was great. But I realized the importance of community, the right community. Mm. And... That's been my focus in the last like few months, especially starting from the year. Like I saw what I wrote and one of the reasons I even joined Spark Financial, I I met the owner at a breathwork place. So okay. they are very much I don't see that often in in the real estate industry, but as a brokerage, they're very much like into the personal growth aspect, into the mindset aspect, That's great. into they're creating retreats for yeah. the employees. And anyone who's thinking, you're an interesting uh, conversation here because anyone who's thinking about getting more into the real estate field to learn as an investor, becoming an agent, mortgage or realtor, yeah. is actually a super useful thing. It is. But it needs to be done in a way that it's actually going to work for you. Yeah. And having a piece with the mindset, people who can help teach you and coach you to grow mm-hmm. and, and and teach you the system so you're not inventing the wheel, do not invent the wheel. It's hard enough becoming <laughs> yeah. an entrepreneur to begin with. I don't agree. don't invent the wheel. Yes. Um so it's it's interesting to me and and you know to kind of take a shift over to mm-hmm. why the strategy, why branch out and why not focus because we've had many people on this show who grew a mortgage business mm-hmm. and you know they're investors and entrepreneurs as mortgage people. Um was there a reason not to just focus on that and try and scale that? Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you eventually see that you'll be a 50-50 realtor mortgage agent or you'll skew and you'll just go heavy into the real estate side? Uh, I'm most likely going to go heavy on the real estate side, uh, but I'm not letting go of the mortgage side. That's why I have the underwriting team, right? So you still have the ability to do that, but you, you've essentially fired yourself from a big portion of the job. Yeah, like yeah. because like I love the people side of things. Like so you could still do the intakes. You'll be able to look at deals when you uh, when you go and do uh, uh a new client intake, yeah. you can actually qualify them yourself because exactly. you'll know what's what's involved. To a certain extent, for sure. And then also, yeah. I want to be able to look at deals, right? Like, yeah. and also make it make it sense yeah. for them. I always, I always wished, like, well, not always, but for a long time, I was, I was, oh, I was on the fence. Should I get the real estate license? And yeah. I never did. And you know, in a way, I'm kind of glad I didn't because. I think that there's ways of doing it without doing it, I agree. but I think it's so super useful. And for a lot of people, it is the thing that makes sense. It's just, it is an expensive uh, process yeah. at first, and then it's an expensive thing to keep going. 100%. So you need to be productive. I agree. And I think it's also like, 
activate my active income with the mortgage side too, mm. right? So I'm establishing, it's like I'm establishing, you know how we talk about like this this whole ideal seven mm. sources of income? Like, not we talk about, but like there's this like all millionaires. General idea. Seven. General idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying you need to have seven sources, but I'm staying within what I know, which Multiple is real estate. Multiple streams is big. Yeah, within real estate. Um, I'm still investing. So I looked at some real estate down in Tulum. I'm looking at some stuff in Joshua Tree and stuff down there in the mm -hmm. US. But um, I'm still I'm still doing real estate as as the whole. You're in you're in the niche, yeah. You're in the I'm in my niche. I'm just finding different ways to like insert mm -hmm. for cash flow. Yeah, multiple streams are big, and I've been thinking about this in my life a lot lately. Like, I have my general contracting company. Yeah. I, I have my real estate, new builds in Florida. I have my active businesses here, yeah. which, I mean, they're more, I, I pay them and work hard, and we'll <laughs> see profitability down the road kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm adding in coaching. I have sponsorship for the podcast. There's, yeah. there's a lot of different things, and I think it's wise for anybody, especially being self-employed, have multiple streams. That's what it is. And Yours are very closely related, and sometimes the same clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it could still work for you really well. It is, and I, again, like it's all like all hypothetical right now, right? Like. I'm still in the process of doing it. And yeah. maybe in like a year or two, I'll update you on how that's going. But in my head, like I feel more clear than I ever have before. Um, and that like, that has a lot to do with like the work you do on yourself, right? Like yeah. I know people talk about this whole listen to your gut and like your the yeah. mindset piece, but people really have to learn how to listen to their gut without like what, but they have to also learn to sh like shut the noise. the noise. Yeah, because your gut will mislead you. Or you and, and sometimes the gut feeling goes away. Yeah. It's hard to read it after yeah, you have the initial and, yes. then, and then later on you're not sure. You're questioning. And you're questioning it, yeah. And that's why like, but that requires a lot of like that reflecting aspect to yeah. actually be able to listen to that, right? Yeah, it, but if you pause, I found like somebody asked, well, what was your gut telling you at first? Okay, well, this is what I, th I think yeah. I was interpreting. and. Usually you can recall, I agree. and I I lean heavily on that. Me like too, yeah. I, I, if I have a gut about something, uh, not to do it, I I listen to that very strongly and just mm -hmm. nah, not not for me. Yeah, I yeah. I and you know what though, in the beginning, I fought that gut because I was like, you know, like you get into like logically it makes sense, like I should be yeah. doing this, but then I really had to like be like, okay, no, and I'm seeing the pattern now yeah. when I make decisions of like no matter how much someone is rushing me and I was like, something doesn't feel right. What, when I make that decision of when it does feel right, it always mm -hmm. works out better. And sure. like, I've seen that pattern. But what I mean is because of the rush we live in, we can't always take that second even to listen to our first instinct, mm -hmm. you know? So f that was the part of me that was like, take a second, like take a second. You have all of this, but like, take a second and like, why are you doing this? Like first thing mm -hmm. and pivot because there's something there. Sure, it's cash flowing, sure. But the thing with Ontario is I find, even if you go into smaller towns, sure it's cash flowing, right? One bad tenant, one big piece of renovations. Like you can't, how much is it gonna cash flow? That, that profit at some point might disappear into that, mm -hmm. right? So I was just like, sure but like something is not making sense. And I'm like, so that's when I'm like, okay. So I started looking into, I went to Tulum on like vacation, but I ended up looking at real estate for like three days out of the seven. Mm -hmm. um, and I find like, there's so much opportunity there for sure. 
and yeah. also not just opportunity but like what kind of energy you want to live around what kind oh, of not yeah. even live around but like what kind of place you want to invest in would i see myself my family living there at some point sure so like things like that also started like seeping in where i'm like do i see myself in canada in the winter once uh not so much no right so like i know people who are doing some community bills in costa rica even and like so i've been like considering different yeah. locations haven't dug into too much in um anything except tulum right now yeah i actually i don't know if you saw the, the one i just posted with uh ali and amy yes i yeah. did see that they're in well cabo and I think Ali said she had one in Tulum. Yeah. Uh, and she said the cap rate was going to be over 15%. Yep. Yep. That sounds pretty all right compared to here. But I mean, it sounded like you're pretty much cash down there. It is. Uh, there are actually lenders. So there are but it's very restrictive and it's only after you're done, right? Uh, no, there's actually private. Um, they're for U.S. citizens, though. But also even there, yeah. banks will fund 50%. Okay, so there, yeah, there's ways. Yeah, they, weren't, they weren't aware. I figured there would always be somebody somewhere to lend. Yeah. I mean, if you look hard enough, I actually found it a little hard in mm -hmm. Florida initially to find a construction lender. Lots of people wanted to lend for small flips yeah. uh, or for uh, rentals or burrs or whatever. But for somebody building from scratch, yeah. I, I got a lot of resistance being quote unquote foreign national yeah. doing, you know, with no experience as they called me, right. um, <laughs> you know, so it, it was interesting and it took some time. So, but if you keep looking. It, and you, you know it. what? I found a good team yeah. right away. I was lucky. Yeah. Um, and then I like, I reached out to them through Instagram, met one of the realtors down there. He was such an interesting um, place because like, yeah, they're like so happy. That's the thing with like, you know, like most places like US and Canada, there's like that foreign national. Tulum welcomes the foreign nationals, right? There's yeah, and you like, can get residency there relatively easy, can't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like after, I think after a certain point, I haven't looked at too much. Six like, months or something. Yeah. yeah, I forget. There's there's something to it, but it, it seems a lot easier. I uh, after hearing that episode, I mean, I think a lot of people needed to expand their mind beyond yeah. Canada. They had and they had a real opportunity to see the reason to do that over the last few years. Yes. And why stop at just the US? I don't by any means think the US is the best place mm -hmm. ever for an investor to go. Um, they have some of the problems we have here, but to a lesser degree, yeah. uh, taxation situation seems a lot better. But then you can look at places like Mexico and if there's a stigma around something or if people, oh, well, you can't really do that because it's dangerous. That means that a lot of other people are overlooking that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And it's not the what you do as much as it is the how you do it. Yeah. And if people are saying, like, I, I've said this a lot, whenever I find something that a bunch of people don't want to do, uh, <laughs> that's usually where I see an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it could be work, but it actually might work out really well. So if a lot of people can't get over that mental hurdle, well, then maybe there's the opportunity. And not, like, I'm not saying for sure, no, but, no, no. but very well, maybe. And you know what, though? I think with the U.S. is the familiarity piece, like the culture piece, yeah. but it's similar, Which right? Is, there's something to that. That is, I agree. Like, I invested in Florida. I invested in an area that I knew. Exactly. I mean, I'd never been to Cape Coral before I started buying there, but I spent a lot of time in Naples. Yeah. I was in Southwest Florida, uh, and I knew the value of Southwest 100%. Florida. 100%. Yeah. And that's why, like, one of my investors, actually, like, JVs, he also invested in Joshua Tree. But, like, 
obviously Joshua Tree is like big uh, Airbnbs and all of that. But like investing mm-hmm. in land is, is something that we're looking at down yeah. there. And then creating our Airbnb and things like that. Yeah, so, doing like an Airstream or something. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Like oh the most popular. <laughs> it's on Airbnb. I always I always use this as, as uh, inspiration, but it's an Airstream with yeah. like, it doesn't have a hot tub. Yeah, it's got an outdoor shower, fire pit, and it's just like absolutely crushes on Airbnb. Exactly. One of the top performers. And Joshua Tree, the land is still pretty relatively uh, yeah. cheap. But you need to be able to get services, right? Yes. So I don't know how they have water well, and all that. They have certain areas that are already built around, essentially. So mm. we're not we're not looking too far off. Like you yeah. know, like certain locations we already and the and I'm still looking into the connections there too. So there's a building. Can you dig a well? Can you yeah. can you make a septic? It probably yeah. you can do all that. So yeah. have you run any rough numbers on like an opportunity that you're that you're looking at? Actually, I I haven't, but I have a sheet that my investors send that they're investing in. Yeah. Um, then well, it's how, like, a, like how does the deal break down? If you don't mind sharing the yeah, the absolutely. Idea. I think they what they're doing is they partner with a builder down yeah. there who is um who has a history of building yeah. down like air massive airbnbs yeah. kind of thing um they're investing as a jv partner in like one piece of land essentially and partnering with the builder so they buy the land the builder takes care of everything everything yes so what what do you think like what are they looking at ballpark all-in cost you know um i think it was about five hundred thousand for uh, four hundred something for the land Okay. Yeah, and then they, and then I think I know the end cap rate was like thirteen or fourteen percent. Thirteen or fourteen as an Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. And this is in Joshua Tree. The Joshua Tree. So thirteen, fourteen percent cap rate on the end value, but we're talking you could be in for almost a million US. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you're renting out for big numbers, like three hundred thousand a year or something like that. Yeah, like I'll show yeah. you. The, I actually have the sheet, but I'll 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 pull it up after. But I'll show yeah. you what that looks like because yeah. I might don't even quote me on that stuff right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I when I was talking to. Uh, Amy and Ali, I like we did talk about it, it was like a six and a half cap yeah. in Arizona. Arizona nothing, yeah. nothing like crazy. Uh, that's not something yeah. I would go to Arizona for. But uh, they're also buying like I think they were buying already resale, not like yeah, not building from scratch. No, and that, that's the thing you get paid for patience and the risk you take by waiting, right? Because yeah. a lot can happen in 12 months, especially in this economy. So yeah. people who are willing to do that do get compensated. Yeah. There's a baked in profit. Typically, not always. If you don't do your numbers right, there isn't. Uh, But there's typically a baked in profit for waiting. Yeah. Which is why I kind of like new construction because, you know, if you if you believe in an area you can you can do well that way and even in tulum i'm actually looking at more land than i am yeah. at like already built stuff how do you feel about contingency planning like i like to have that plan a b and c yeah plan a might be airbnb or maybe my plan a is a flip and a yeah. contingency of airbnb yeah which is sort of like my cape coral like right. i don't really want to do airbnb in there now after right. i've kind of looked at it i still think it'll work but it yeah. might be more work to make it work Right, and but then you don't it works wanna, as like, a contingency plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not my primary goal. No, I and I saw the numbers from what I remember when I saw the Joshua Tree numbers. It's like if you have that capital to put in, um, your and I, I'm pretty sure in US you can construction financing though. Um, well, especially if you have the partner, so exactly. they would secure the loan. Yeah. The and if I were ex- examining that scenario, I would want to get the track record. The nice thing is yes. if they're borrowing from a construction lender, that construction lender will only lend to them if they show a track record. And that's the builder yeah. has the track record yeah and i'd want to see their credit as yeah. a partner I'd, I'd i'd you know you're you're my jv partner but i want to see your credit and you know, before i give this money and we're gonna own everything on title together uh, i mean i do a lot of different stuff like that to help protect my position and you know what yeah. that's important like i'm learning that too as much as i got really lucky with the right jv partners mm. um i can't i've heard horror stories yeah i mean it. i'm especially in the u.s yeah. like it, 
even if I get like my contact from an extremely reputable source, I am not just signing a check and handing it over. No. I did one one exception, my licensed GC with the city of Cape Coral. <laughs> I did give her a check uh, to get things started. And, you know, you're not going to get a GC to start without that. No. Uh, I could have tried to negotiate, but I knew who I was dealing with. Yeah. Um, but I, generally speaking, people know me saying, don't ever give a deposit. <laughs> yeah. And I still have that mentality. I agree um, with that, actually. But because uh, you can do milestones. I still, to this day, like anyone says, yeah, so just send me this deposit. I'm like, well, hang on. I'll buy the materials. We'll do milestones. Okay. And we <laughs> work it out. Can, like, actually, especially anywhere, to be honest. You're right. There's way more people in the States that are looking to take advantage yeah. and, and uh, get dollar signs in their eyes when they see a Canadian that's a, a long way away. Uh, but there's also plenty of people here that'll take your money and yeah. make you feel bad when they steal from you. And yeah, hundred so percent. And you, you know just what? Be ready for it. I've had like no matter where I have had like a contractor in Cornwall. I was pretty new, right? Like in the city, and this guy came referred from another investor. Uh, but that other investor gave me a full heads up. They're like, he's just starting for me too. I don't know what the finished product kind of looks yeah. like. And I hired them. I don't know how he managed to like do a flooring, which just like not, no leveling, like mm -hmm. nothing. I had to like spend another four grand to like fix it. Yeah. So, I mean, like things can happen here or oh, there yeah. Yeah. and you know, one of those things. But that's, it's just why it's so important yeah. to, to make sure that people you deal with have something to lose if they yeah. deal uh, offside with you. If they if they do things that are offside, it's gonna bite them. Make sure that situation exists. Yeah, and uh, then they're more likely to play nice. Yeah, and I think people like very much like a lot of people that have talked on meetups and. Um, even on podcasts, like they glamorize the long distance investing, I think, mm -hmm. like in terms of they make it out, sound a lot simpler than it actually is. Yeah. Yes, but there is a process time, right? To mm -hmm. build a team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. is a timeline. You still got to go in to a certain extent to be able to establish that trustworthy relationships. And yeah. after a point, absolutely, you're set. Yeah, but you got to put in the time up front. You can't just be at a distance hands off without putting in the time up front. Yeah, yeah. That's the unfortunate non-glamorized truth, which I still feel like there's work to be done building up my I teams agree. down there. Yeah. Like just little things like I have a good GC and I have good, uh, you know, realtor that I work with. But, you know, adding in more handy people, I would say. Yeah. Handy people that could just pop by a cleaner because yeah. I haven't really, I haven't run an Airbnb down there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't needed those things. So that's right. still on the to-do list. And it's, there's always going to be a to-do yeah. list is what I've realized too. So like, even like, for instance, I'm actually more intrigued on Tulum than I am at Joshua Tree right, right in the second. Um, and why is that? So there's more, um, the, the investment side, obviously the numbers there's look fantastic, but also- Like, are you talking like, it's like those 15% cap rates on new construction? Yeah, like I'm actually looking at land down there too. Which so is, buy the land and then build on it? Yeah. And then also like flip on like assignment. So like you can create- Just flip the land? Like, like create the designs and everything. Like okay, create the so, paperwork. And would you be getting an entitlement, like getting a permit and then you just sell it or you don't even get yes, the permit, you, you just don't do even the designs? Get, you don't even get the permit. But you you make sure it works with the zoning and then just yeah. sell it. And then the contingency is just you build Airbnb either way. Yeah. Like the only reason I am also there's more I know this is an investor podcast and play like that other side might not happen, but like might not matter. But Tulum has a very much sustainable aspect to that. So their their bills are um their government allows a lot of builds happening right now in Tulum, mm -hmm. but most of them are based on very much in sustainability, which yeah. I don't see any other place at the moment doing Costa Rica, sure. But like in the longer big picture, longer scheme of things, sustainability is going to be the way we will have to build our our 
And when you say that, what do you mean? And sustainable in what way? So they don't even fully pave their road. So the... The material doesn't damage the, the the soil underneath. There's a lot of protected land that you can't build on, but also like the materials they use, like um, are based on like uh, eco-friendly and environmentally friendly bases. Mm-hmm. So the architects and the builders there have like different kind of like one of the condo buildings I mm-hmm. saw there, which was a ready condo. They were talking about being. 70% sustainable. So it's just the kinds of materials and things that they're yeah. using. Okay. Um, and they actually really, and then the whole lifestyle there is very much on like um, taking care of your health and the holistic side. So it's and got all the, of that. Yeah, I think uh, my, my business partner, Zach, is doing one down there. Oh, uh, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tulum. And he, he talked about it. you got that yogi community and then yeah. you, have, you have a mix of in between. So it's sort of like uh, Nosara in yeah. Costa Rica, which I love that place. That yes. was great. I actually so. ran into Zach in Tulum. Oh, yeah, you were saying that. Yeah. Right. yeah. So it was because I think we're using the same company. Okay. And um, so this is like you're impending, you're ready to pull the trigger on something? Um, I've kind of like been digging in it i'm waiting for my so i'm yeah. selling my portfolio in cornwall so, so as waiting. you as you get some cash out of that yeah. you'll you'll yeah. do it yeah yeah similar model to what i did you know liquidating what i had here yeah. to send a lot of money south um i think there's so much beyond the us as we've talked about um i will definitely love an update as you yes. uh you know do some of this stuff and and see just where your numbers lie I, yeah i mean I think that could help a lot of Canadians who are just kind of fed up with the deals here not making as much sense to them. Yeah. Or maybe they just want to add a compliment. They just want yeah. to have something outside of Canada too, yeah. uh, you know, where they they feel hedged. They've got stuff on both sides of the border. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I'm looking at the commercial side too, just in case they don't want to go outside. Like, there's, you know, there's, there's plenty that plenty just of... don't want to leave Canada. So and hey, that's why like, I'm looking. And that's fair. And, and there needs to be a plan for those people too. And that's yeah. why I'm like looking at all aspects and like yeah. just seeing. Selling was a hard decision because I had to yeah. let go of that identity Same. of owning the doors and all of sure. that yeah, stuff. I get it. Yeah. So I'm just like, let it go. You, that's not yeah, your identity. It's kind of like a reset. Like uh, yeah. it's like you kind of pull back a bit. Now you can thrust for, forward even harder. It's like a catapult, right? You got to yeah. take a second and then you. Yeah, you, I've, take, I've taken a step back and I'm yeah. working my way to, you know, slingshotting forward again. Yeah. So um, Jessica, where do people find you, connect with you? Yeah, um, Instagram is probably the best place. Um, it's J-E-S-S-N dot invest on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, I will share that in the show notes. And uh, anything else you wish that we covered, uh, talked about, touched on, or a piece of wisdom you'd like to share? Um, Only thing I would say is focus on your end goals, not the means goals, and like take a second to make a distinguish between the two. Yeah. Um, That would be my tip for like investors that are starting out or just even now in it. And um, just a lot of new things coming for me, like um, where I'm starting to build a community for myself, like host events on my own, um, mm-hmm. and also build a, a podcast for myself, but nothing to do with actually has very little to do with real estate on the podcast side of things. But okay, so different angle, different angle, a more community angle to it. Um, finance is still a piece of it, mm-hmm. but there's more like bringing in um artists and bringing in other people to like learn from different people's experiences and different yeah. people's success stories as well yeah very cool i mean success stories are are uh, generally inspiring so i like i like yeah. to hear them so yeah, that'll be cool all right well thanks for uh for joining me today and, and sharing what you're working on and uh, i look forward to hearing the updates on on uh, the mexico experience absolutely <laughs> thank all you right, so much for having me soon. <laughs>
There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.